Hello. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. I, as always, Ryan Engley, joined as always by Todd McGowan. Todd, how are you, buddy? Hi, Dr. Engley. Good to talk to you uh. today. <laughs> that is very nice. You have been planning that, haven't you? I have been planning that, although I know that we were both opposed to all honorifics, and so that is the last <laughs> time I will ever refer to you by that First title. and last time. But it is that, the first time that I could refer to you by that title. Just that is true. Our people that care. I mean, no one cares for just... <laughs> I mean, no, they shouldn't care. It's just the idea that matters. But um, but you are now... You do have a PhD, so... I do have a PhD. I do. Yeah, well, you know what? Let's, let's, put, let's, put, let's put it all, all out there. Yes, I. so I... Uh, yeah, I just finished my uh, my PhD at the University of Rhode Island, and I'll be uh, starting at... Uh, Pomona College in the fall uh, in the media studies department. Correct. Uh, yes. To the uh, shock so of your uh, your 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 uh, dissertation committee, I think that you got a job <laughs> right away. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, to, I mean, to the to the to the shock of, of many, I mean, it's a thing uh, that doesn't. Uh, I mean, I, I do feel very fortunate because p- people don't typically get jobs anymore without having their right. dissertation done. Like that, that right. doesn't really happen. That's true. That's true. So, um, yeah. But so thanks I've, to I've, one one member of your committee thinks that you did deserve a job. I know, and that's Joan Kopchak. <laughs> and so, so thanks. They to Joan, all think I deserve a job. I, I know. Right. Trying just, to get me in trouble. It's no, perverse. No, no, it's no, perverse. Just, with it was you. perverse. Sorry. <laughs> oh man, that's good. So maybe we talk about the uh, uh, perversion a little bit uh, uh, today, or at least the uh, sub version perhaps of uh, the subject yeah we will talk about the subversion of the subject that's true yeah so today this um what we're getting into is uh this is another i mean you'll see this from the title this is another um uh, episode that is going to focus on a famous or well-known phrase of lacan's what we call lacanian aphorisms and the uh phrase uh that we an idea that we are working with in this episode is the signifier represents the subject for another signifier. Lacan says this a lot, like a lot, a lot. Um, we're going to look at the history of this. We're going to uh, uh, look at like, you know, what this means and, and look at the implications. Before we get into this, and I set all of this up, like again, I want to say just at the top of this, that these episodes, I mentioned this, I think at the at the top of the last one. So uh, we are, with these episodes in particular, I mean, with this podcast in general, but these episodes in particular, we're trying to serve two audiences at once. And if you're listening and you find yourself in one or the other, like, uh, this is, this is for you, this is the goal is what we're trying to do. So we know that we've got on the one hand, we have audience that is, uh, that drinks this stuff up, this, uh, that they, that they are voracious readers of, uh, Lacan and Hegel and Freud just as much as we are. And so, the, and that is awesome. Like, we, I mean, we're just like, I can't even believe that that happened because like we just didn't think that that would occur, that there were that many of us out there that would listen to us talk about it on a podcast. So that, so we got that, that audience, which is amazing. And then the perhaps maybe just as amazing or perhaps even more so is uh, a group of people who are uh, coming to Freud, Lacan, Hegel for like kind of the first time through, through us. And that is also great. So here's like, uh, well, here's what we, what we try to do with these episodes and all the episodes in particular. So for the um, for the group of people who are coming at this stuff for the first time, um, like we're talking about in like every episode, we're talking about um, uh, thinkers who are like famously regarded as inaccessible. Right. Would you say that? I think true? that's true. Like, yeah. yeah. So for Lacan and Hegel, for sure. For Freud, for sure. maybe less so, but. Yeah, I mean, Rick Boothby does have that great line that I mean, I'm, this is paraphrased, but just to put it in my terms, that it is because of 
Freud's accessibility that he has been so misunderstood. Right, right. No, I think I mean, that's we, correct. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that's true as well. Yeah. Um but so okay, with Lacan and Hegel uh, for sure and just like these like wider ideas uh like that that do seem so like, you know, you have to have gone to school to get a graduate degree in philosophy to even begin to understand this kind of thing. And what has been really gratifying for the both of us is like is is people you know pushing past that that kind of like uh, oh, I don't know, to put it in Benjamin terms, the aura around these people as right. being like, 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 uh, inaccessible and unapproachable and starting to, to get into some of these texts through our podcast, through like other, uh, texts. I know like some people have commented, like they started to read like Mari Rudy, like after, after us, which I, I think, and I'm sure people have bought your books and, and read things that you've written. And what is so great about like this group and the way these people listen is that like, you know, we're trying to get people in the door and then like, as Lacan would have it in his psychoanalytic session, like, you know, you go outside of the, the, the session, you have the revolution, uh, revolution. That was really funny. Uh, slip by me. Slip. You have the revelation, uh, by, uh, on your own time, like by, by, by yourself. So like, like, uh, we're not the stopping point, I guess. And I, I don't imagine us to be like, you know, like, like this is the, this is the only way to understand Lacan forever. You don't need to ever read him or read anybody else. Like we like, please read other stuff like that. That's like, we, we, we want that. So that's on the one group on that side. And then for the group on the other side that drinks this stuff up, that has read all these things as much as we have or, or more, um, what we want is for them to say, when we listen to us, just like, you know, I hadn't thought about it in those terms before this idea. I read this a lot. I thought I've written, I've even written about it or, you know, I've seen it here, here and here, but this way in which, you know, they're talking about it. I hadn't thought about it in those terms before. That's interesting. So we're trying to serve these two audiences at once, especially with these episodes. And, and, and I, I, so, um, so what I say to both camps is if you think you totally got this idea and you don't need to listen to the podcast, please listen. Because, <laughs> Todd, you ensured there are some surprises for me in this episode. That's right. Norm- that's right. Surprises <laughs> for you. So Okay. All right. <laughs> normally, normally we have we're, our pre-show. I know exactly what's going to happen. But the, all right. This is nice. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, for the people who think like, ah, you know, I'm kind of in this more for the um, the political stuff and like the not the not the grad school seminar. It's like, please stick around because uh, we promise it'll be applicable. So uh, that is my that is my uh, that's your sales pitch. That's my sales pitch. That's my, my preamble um, as, a, as a doctor. Uh, yeah. That's right. So um, That's, right. Right. That's the last time you're allowed to use that word. In last time I'm going to use the word. Yeah, okay, right. Well, you got to use it once too. So, yeah, uh, I did, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so to set up again, the signifier represents the subject for another signifier. Lacan says this a lot. That makes it interesting as a phrase, as an aphorism of his. It doesn't make it important. Todd, I've talked a lot. Why is this phrase important? Okay, why is it important? So first of all, it seems like a very strange way to define the term signifier, which is what it's doing. It's defining Mm -hmm. what signifier is. And I think it's important because it suggests, so you can see already in it the debt to Ferdinand de Saussure. Mm -hmm. And so Saussure had this notion that uh, in signification, there are no positive terms. So what that means is that signifiers have their signification in relationship to others. So that is, just to take the most basic example, we know what a chair is not because we have this the meaning of chair in our mind, but because we compare it to like table, floor, mm-hmm. uh, wall, and then we say, oh, chair is this other thing. So it's a system of differences. That That's what signification is. So, so 
Lacan is be- building on that. He's basing this idea yeah. on that. And but his idea is that that how the signifier relates to other signifiers is more important than how it relates to that. It, it's not a direct articulation of what we are either trying to express or what we're trying to communicate. So I think that's to me mm-hmm. the most important thing that it's immediately not a communicative or an expressive understanding of language so that, that, that language is about how the terms within language relate to each other rather than how they express or communicate some idea that we want to express. And so you can even see, I think, lurking within that, the psychoanalytic idea of free association. That is that, mm-hmm. that it, what, if, I, if I slip and say something, that, that, that what I actually say is more important than what I meant to say, that the meaning right. doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't have priority over the signification. And I think I like to draw this distinction between meaning, which Lacan says is imaginary. So the meaning is my intention, what I intend to say. Mm-hmm. And the signification is what I actually say and then how that relates to other possible significations out there. So that, so that I think that the... What what I'm tr- what I say is is it's important for how it relates to other possible significations, and then how it and then what what I get how that relates back to me, and how it how it forms me as a subject based upon how it relates to other possibilities. So, in other words, how what I say, what kind of recognition it gets in the field of the other in the field of signification. That's what's mm-hmm. important to me as a subject. Okay, so ultimately, would you say that regarding structural linguistics, uh, Lacan is not so sure? For sure, he's, <laughs> there's a lot of, in English that sounds a lot, for sure, he's not so sure, yes. Yeah, you see, you see how I did that? Yeah, that's, you did that. Good. Yeah, no, I think that's <laughs> true, but, yeah. but what is the addition, right? Now, that, yeah. that, I think, is the question. What is the addition? The addition is subject. So, mm-hmm. so Saussure has a system of pure differences with no subject in it. And when Lacan defines signifier, he immediately defines it in relation to subject. That is, it represents the subject for mm-hmm. another signifier. So what does that mean? It means that, and what is the subject in that sense? And how is it represented? Does it just mean, oh, I say a signifier that's going to rep, so whatever signifier uses representing me. So I'm just going to say to you, uh, Brother, okay. mm. <laughs> that was a nice signifier. I just came up with it. <laughs> so I, I, yeah. It's kind, yeah. So I said yeah. brother, um, mm-hmm. and we could do a whole psychoanalysis of why that's the word that came to mind. But anyway, so we so yeah. so I say brother. Now, now does that does that the the point of that signifier is not what I'm trying to think of. The point is how it relates to other possibilities and why I said brother when I was speaking mm-hmm. to you and and rather than sister, and then what it says mm-hmm. about me that I said brother. But, but the main point is that it, it, as a subject, my is that signifier just, when, it, when Lacan says it represents me, does that mm-hmm. mean it just is me? No, it means that it represents me as absent. And I think that's the crucial mm. thing that he adds to Saussure. He doesn't, it's not like, it's not like subject is another term within the mm-hmm. ter- all the field of signifiers it's as if subject is this thing uh, subtracted from the field of signifiers so subject is there as an absence 
And mm-hmm. the signifier represents the subject as what is not there. So no matter what the signifier I chose, I chose brother, I chose cousin talking to you, I chose friend, whatever I chose. Mm-hmm. Like whatever I chose, I'm I'm in that signifier as an absence, not as that signifier isn't, I'm not present within it. That's and excellent. Even, so, yeah. yes. So I would just have a final thing. Like even oh, yeah, the please. signifier about me, like whatever mm-hmm. I, like, like if I chose the term professor, <laughs> to get back yeah. to our earlier yeah, thing, right, right, like right. if I choose the term professor, I think a lot of people would say, oh, I really am that. Like that mm-hmm. represents me. I really am professor. But Lacan's point is, no, even this term that seems to fully capture me, I'm in it as an absence. And that's how I relate to these other signifiers as this absence, which means I relate to them as a desiring subject, right? Right. Right, right. No, that's that's awesome. That's uh, very, very uh, systematic, and I think like a like a clear delineation of what uh, the the genesis, right? Why why this is important? Where uh, where where Lacan's idea starts and how it relates to other things that we talk about on this podcast uh, with psychoanalysis. I want to hit a couple of other sure. um, sort of like wider uh, implications of this idea. One is like it's a it's a pretty um, one of the things Lacan does here, it really goes against all kinds of do- uh, contemporary doxa in like a, d- a lot of different fields to just to say that like that signifiers uh, like is about recognition and not communication. Right. Right. Th- that's that's a huge deal. Like huge the, deal. the the big I, and we may have even said this before on the on, on the podcast, but like the. Everybody, I, th- I think most people walk around with with the idea that like the point of um, the point of language is uh, is communication. That's like a big idea that it, that we because that's how we use it now, right? 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 Like, I think isn't that why? Sorry, isn't that why you think that why one would say that that Lacan used the term signifier rather than word? Because I think word suggests communication. And yeah. signifier suggests recognition or desire. And I think also that the more, um, you know, signifier also has a broader, it's broader than word because, I mean, I, I have a bunch of examples of signifiers that I want to talk about later. <laughs> yeah, for and, sure. And almost very few of them are words, right? Like, mm, like yeah. I mean, I just mm-hmm. used a word, professor was a word and brother were words, but... But I think most signi- like if we if we just were thinking about the effect of the signifier in contemporary society, most of the the more prominent signifiers we would come up with would not be words. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think you know. So I th- I I think that that's a that's a key difference between um, between uh, again. It's why he's not that he's turning signification away from communication and more toward desire and recognition well because and i mean i think that this is the 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 point in here is that um communication goes hand in hand with uh an idea like intersubjectivity correct which lacan is uh against in a lot of different ways like like in in this yeah this like um we talked about this in the sexuation episode that you know uh lacan's idea there is no sexual relation that you you know you're not having you're not having a relationship with uh, an, another person you're having a relationship with what what would be like a kind word like like 
uh, pieces <laughs> like like well with like, another I think with, right with an, yeah, yeah 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 I mean I think it's interesting because right because I mean this is another way of saying this aphorism of today like that the signifier represents the subject to another signifier another way of saying mm-hmm. that is that you every time you speak to another you speak through the big other right like that mm-hmm. that's I think that's a key part of this idea that the big other is this and and I think we tend to think of it as an obstacle to mm-hmm. and I think if you think of intersubjectivity you think of the big other as this obstacle there like you're over there you're a subject in Rhode right. Island I'm a subject here in Vermont and there's the mm-hmm. big other between us blocking our communication but Lacan's point is totally the opposite that it's yeah. the big other is 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 the way in which I can and I can't communicate with you, but the way in which I can make some make make some kind of impression on you as an other, it's always yeah. through the big other. It's not, it's never gonna be, you know, it's never gonna be like I'm gonna get around the big other as this obstacle that I could do away with in order to communicate directly with another subject. Instead, I have to use the big other, communicate mm-hmm. through the big other in order to or sorry, not communicate, indicate something through the big other and sure. then make an impression on the other, the other that's there. Right. right. Yeah. With the, and well, well, the, the object being like, I mean, I actually, I think podcast, like the, the, the way that we record this and the way that what this is, is then, um, I don't want to use the word consumed, but, uh, uh, let's just say Listen received to. received. Re- well, yes. no, I, received. I, I want, I want to take, I want to not, I want to, to delay that for a second. Yeah. Received by other people is it's all, it's all the voice, right? right? Like we, right. like, like nobody, like just the, the, this point of, of the cons, right. Is that like, uh, nobody who's listening to this has a, like, has a relationship with us, but with our voice. Right. Right. Absolutely. Our voices. Right. And it's the same. And it's the same with me right now with you. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm not in, I'm not in your presence. I'm in the presence of your voice and you're in the presence of mine. Right. And uh, which it like to go back to this other point, like already has in it like a pretty profound absence. Right. Like, I mean, it's just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but isn't what's great about Lacan's point that that in some way there's what's there that it wouldn't matter if you were standing right here. Right. 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 right, Like that's the whole point that we would have to have that the big other is there as the as this form of mediation. That mm-hmm. if it didn't, and that, I think again, that's what that aphorism suggests: is that the big other is this necessary form of mediation that mm-hmm. mediates between subject and the little other, not between right, right. subject and subject, because there's yes. no. It's not like there's communication between subjects, and I think that's a key. Yeah, yeah. Again, that's part of this whole theory of uh, behind this aphorism. Right. That well, you're that, speaking to to another signifier, not another right, subject. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. You're speaking yeah. to another signifier, which means you are trying to make a certain. You're what you're saying is, you see me in a certain way, or you hear me to go with right. our medium of choice. Yeah, like yeah, you sure. hear me in a certain way, I want you to hear me in this way. Yeah. Right. Like that's yeah. what. Like throughout the, I mean, of course. 
we're communicating ideas and, 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 or we're suggest communicating. And it's hard to you fall back into that trap of language. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, suggesting right. ideas and we're exploring mm-hmm. ideas and doing all that. But at the same time, we're all the time saying, you hear me in a certain way. I, mm-hmm. I desire that you hear me in this way. Like that's mm-hmm, part, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. what Lacan's getting at with this notion of the subject, the signifier is a, is this represents the subject for, to another signifier, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, excellent. So, um, I mean, this is like a, another maybe a um, uh, I don't want to say like a like a layman's way of putting it, but like to 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 I don't know, put it in different terms. Uh, that like when we are communicating again, because it's not to su- subject to subject, it's uh, like signifier to signifier, what you are, um, everyone is connotation, basically. Is right, what I, right, what right. I, I'm not, yeah, the, the, fra- the, the, the phrase I'm trying to get at is that like, we, that like we, like we think that all the time that we're uh, denoting what we are, but the, the, the difference between like meaning, what I mean when I say, and, uh, and signification, like, which is like what I said, right. like, Th- that that thing that like, again we think that we're in control of that thing but we're but we are not like uh, that we think that we're denoting but really w- uh, what we're doing is we're connoting and that's I, I think like the, a way of understanding signification for uh, for Lacan over like subjectivity like uh, you know or like or like the subject for you know for another thinker right right like right absolutely right I think that also it's such a great way of understanding what subjectivity is because it means subjectivity is our desire mm-hmm, our mm-hmm. Unco- it's linked to our unconscious desire which is ex- which is articulated within what i actually say not within what i mean and so mm-hmm, i think mm-hmm. there's this nice op- like subjective or maybe subjectivity is the divide between those two th- there's is the mm-hmm. split between what i consciously mean and what i unconsciously desire right like those two yeah. like the split the subject is the split between those two things yeah no that's great i mean i think that like so this is one of um i uh this has come up a number of different times but i, I was in a uh, a panel uh like a like a year or so ago uh like g- g- giving a a conference paper and somebody asked me uh a question about w- like I forget exactly what it was. It's probably probably seriality and, and media and like the, the psychoanalytic uh, my approach to it because I gave I, I gave a paper on this at MLA like maybe this is when this happened yeah um and somebody asked me that like they thought it was very interesting like like what what kind of um how would you appeal to somebody like who is not a a true believer which is I feel like a question that like I don't know sometimes that we get right that yeah like, yeah uh, you yeah. know. And it's interesting because, like, I don't, I just, well, like, for one, I don't think that, uh, that, that's, like, I mean, are p- people going up to, um, oh, I don't know. I just, I just feel like that's not happening to, to people who are, like, uh, oh, I don't know, like, um, post-colonial studies, like, majors or something like that. Yeah, like, yeah. What, what about people who don't care about, I don't know. Like, maybe there's a, I'm sure there's, like, a political thing there. But, like, I don't, I feel like this happens a lot to, like, the more uh, speculative side of academia and we get asked this question but anyway this is getting a little bit further away from my point my point is this that like okay somebody who doesn't care necessarily about uh, psychoanalysis right off the bat they're not a they're not a true believer um the way that i that i answer this question is like it's kind of tied up in what you just said is that um i think there is so much uh 
psychoanalysis that people actually already believe, and they either think that it's not psychoanalytic theory or that that's where psychoanalytic theory stops. And one of the things that I think everybody really like b- believes a priori, if you were in a con- if you're um, having a difficult conversation with someone, you're in a fight with somebody, and they quote say something they didn't mean. Okay, th- what they meant doesn't matter. Or right. what they said is the thing that matters. Right. Everybody knows. That. Everybody knows like, that. Right. Everybody right. knows right. that, and and that's one of those. That's one of those things. Like I was just watching this the second season of the show Big Little Lies, which I liked a lot, and it's. I I would almost I'm tempted to tell you to watch it because like the entire. The way that the whole show is constructed is like a pop understanding of Freud, which is like everybody does these things because of relationships they had with their parents and like traumas that they work through. Yeah. Which, you know, and it's and uh, there's like no mention of like of Freud or whatever. Like, I'm sure that if you asked like what like if you asked the the showrunners uh, like, well, so what's your favorite Freudian text? They'd be like, what are you talking about? Right. right, And it's, you you know, and it's and again, like that's one of those things where it's like, oh, well, like that idea is just in culture. And so that's where psychoanalysis stops this thing that like your parents did this. So you do this as an adult, which is not how it's not psychoanalysis. Right. That's right. That's not it. No, that's not it at all. It's not it's not even wild psychoanalysis. (laughs) But um, so uh, anyway, no, I think that's a really good point that there's a that there's a kind of um, I don't know what what you would how would you say it like a a, a sort of unconscious admission of the correctness of certain psychoanalytic insights yeah. combined well, with I, an overt yeah. rejection of it. Yeah, it's really funny. Like it's both. It's um. It's it's not just it's not just in the air. It's like people people validate it in you right. know different ways all the time they validate these core ideas they like people validate the uh you know the uh, the signifier represents the subject for another signifier all the time you know and but uh oh lacan is a charlatan right, right, to, right. like you know like it, that that is the i think the famous rejection from uh chomsky is that like he, he just oh he that i think he said he liked lacan but he knew that he was a a liar or something like that, right. you know, and, and, uh, so it's, it's just funny. It's like, like it gets, psychoanalysis gets, uh, uh, no, no, no credit on the one hand for like, um, for, uh, being the, uh, the, the point of origin for like a lot of like how like contemporary subjects relate actually like relate slash not relate to each other yeah. and to the world, like to signifiers. And then it also gets, uh, you know, sort of like rejected, pushed away. It's a relic of the past, et cetera, et cetera, at the same time. Yeah. It's a, think, really, yeah. It's a really yeah. interesting position for yeah, it to I be agree. in. I agree. Yeah. I think a lot of it, and I think we need to do an episode on feminism because I think a lot of it oh, has yeah, to yeah, do yeah, with yeah. what is perceived as a psychoanalytic anti-feminism, which I think is completely wrong. And, and, and I think the fact that there are so many great, psychoanalytic feminist theorists today yeah, proves okay. that it's wrong. Um, but I do think that that's, I think that that's responsible for a large part of that hostility to psychoanalysis. We will, yeah, we'll totally have to talk about it. It is so funny that like that Juliet Mitchell line, which I think is so convincing that, uh, psychoanalysis is not, is an analysis of a, uh, I mean, maybe this is now a paraphrase, but is an analysis of a heterosexist, sexist, phallocentric society not an endorsement of one? 
And yeah. like, isn't it funny? Like, it's just, it's like, you know, not haha funny, but it's just, it's, it's really interesting to me that that did not take root, you know, like, like that's, it's, it's, it's pithy. It's like, it, it, it yeah, there's, why there's a lot that that's you can good, go yeah. with that. And, yeah. it, and that, that didn't, that didn't take root. I don't know. And I, well, I, find that, I think that, that, it, that in itself I, is interesting. It is. And I think to come back to our topic of the day, <laughs> sure. I actually think that it's totally relates to that because the, like that, she was, if you could say that it's an expression of an idea, like mm-hmm. that idea did not, it, 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 it did not get expressed, right? Like it, it instead mm-hmm. it related to other signifiers mm-hmm. and did not, and, and the way that it related to them, psychoanalysis couldn't be integrated with them, right? Like I think that the, yeah. there was just, there's so much this idea that it's anti-feminist that, even if a great feminist like Juliet Mitchell says something like that, it still mm. doesn't have the power to to penetrate into that. The the power, the the dominance of a certain kind of interpretation given by the big other. And I think that's yeah, the... That's, that's true. I mean, that's part of what um, Lacan is uncovering, right? Like that's part mm. of what he is a, trying to lay out is the power You're so, of the You know what? Other. You're so you're so right. Sorry to interrupt you. You're so no. right. Like uh, David Bordwell writes this in Post Theory in that first, I think that first essay that he has this line that feminists were. I think I'm quoting him exactly when I say this. Feminists were forced to adopt uh, Lacan and, and because like because of uh, like deconstruction and because of uh, the the way that a oh, big probably because I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm now losing the the rest of that paragraph, but like I think the the um, the insinuation is that like it like this was like the only option for like spec like these were the only ways of approaching like analyses of like society and like that's what right. like Lacan was in so they were forced to adopt this this sexist like that's even and Bordeaux right no I think that's I wants think a that's, pat on the back for being yeah. a feminist with right that well that's a whole other thing it's interesting yeah. that the people who join in the the feminist critique of psychoanalysis are not often the great warriors for feminism. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> Which yeah. I find sort of funny. Shots but in, fired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. Anyway, but so I yeah, think, yeah. I think though that one other way that I find helpful for making sense of this, and I think, mm. that, you know, when you were talking about this idea of communication as the, as the popular way of understanding Signification. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's related to this distinction between sign and signifier that Lacan makes. And I find this yes. to be incredibly helpful in making sense of the aphorism that we're talking about mm-hmm. the subject. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The signifier represents the subject to another signifier. So Lacan then, and this, so this is in seminar, th- or all the, what's, now this is kind of fascinating, this little chronology. So mm. the, the, the aphorism we're talking about does not appear until Seminar 11, which is the four fundamental concepts of psychoanalysis. That's 63, 64. But yeah. it appears earlier in the in 2A Cree, the position of the unconscious and the subversion of the subject and the dialectic of desire right. in 1960. So that's, a, that's something also we should probably talk about later because 1960 yeah. is really a watershed year for Lacan. There's a, something really happens that's that's... In, at, the, at the end of seminar seven, which is ethics of psychoanalysis, and then, right, and right. Then, uh, you well, can let's make, camp on. Let's let's camp out on this first for just for okay, a second. Yeah, like sure. like for like for the last just to um to to put like a quilting point on sort of like the last like ten minutes of the podcast, and then like what what's going like sure. on forward is that what we were talking like again. This is the 
the beginning portion of this is like this idea is interesting. Why is it important? Yep. And so, and we try to answer, and we tried to go go through that in a number of different ways. Like you know, why it's important to Lacan, why it's important to understand society, why, and then the claim that I, I was making about like it's actually in like quote common sense wisdom that people right. already believe. You know, and, right, but, and right. it's worth like pushing forward from there. Um, so from here forward is uh, now we're going to get into sort of like the nitty gritty uh, of of the idea, and I end to pull this back to other um, podcasts that we've done, we've talked about uh, Seminar 7 in two different ways. Uh, I think uh, twice we talked to... Uh, which, wait, that's like seems like... That's, that's fuzzy math. That seems like we did four podcasts on it. But we did this one podcast with um, Rick Boothby on Das Ding, and right. then we did the first aphorism on the ethical position of psychoanalysis, which is right. the, the um, you know to not give ground relative to one's desire is the ethics of psychoanalysis. And so that's, so seminar seven is, uh, 59 to 60. If you've listened to those episodes, like you have an idea of like what Lacan is thinking at this time, or if you've read that seminar or if you read Lacan, right? Like to go right. back to the beginning right. of the podcast, who, who our audience is. And then what Todd's saying right here is that something happens between seminar seven and eight. And the big thing that we talked about before is that Das Ding falls out. And, and Abjay Ah kind of emerges. It's questionable when it emerges for the first time. So it emerges in name in, in Seminar 10 on Anxiety, but in the Transference right. Seminar, Lacan refers to this thing in Socrates that attracts everyone, and he calls it the agalma, and, I mean, mm. Plato. So so um, that, and, and, and a lot of people think that that's 1960, and a lot of people think yeah. that is the beginning of Abjaya. So and in that and and okay, so um, can I can I ask you to pull, pull this together? Sure. Pull Abjaya together with this phrase because I think I mean we're gonna have to do another an episode just on Abjaya, but I think that it's this uh, signifier representing the subject to another signifier is is a way of getting at Abjaya. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So I think it, what's fascinating is that he's. Um, it's it's maybe the first formulation of Abjaya, right? Like it's mm. because. It's, it's saying that the signifier is my attempt to, I think, do two things, both related to objet On the one hand, find, arouse the objet that I'm seeking in the field of the other. Mm-hmm. Like, like I say a signifier hoping that it will be the one that, 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 that brings forward this impossible object out of the field of the other this singularity of the other that I, that corresponds to something in me that I, so that, that I'm desiring. Mm-hmm. So, so there, so that's what I'm hoping to do with the signifier. And then on the other hand, every signifier also is an articulation of my own mm-hmm. object. Like the thing that I, that is this impossible object within me that mm-hmm. defines me and yet can never be anywhere located within me. So this right, thing that, right. Lacan describes it as extimate, that is like it's right. intimate and yet exterior to me. So it's, and mm-hmm. this is the, this is Freud's notion of the way the unconscious appears. It appears in what I articulate, what I say, not, it's not this thing hidden deep down within me. And so, right, right. or how, or how I act also. So what I, the th- and this is when you point about the way that people believe in psychoanalysis, they think, oh, that your actions really reveal what you desire, not the thing that you're you privately believe, right? Like that's a very mm-hmm. psychoanalytic idea. So, so all mm-hmm. that is to say that I think you're right that Abjaya ah is present in this aphorism on both in both ways. Like both, it's both yeah. in the other that I'm directing the signifier toward, and it's also the signifier is a is is 
what it represents in the subject is the object of the subject. Yeah, and it's a good exa- and it's a good way of understanding the split right. of the subject right. too, right? right? And 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 that is, you know, viewable in those those estimate moments when you you say more than you think you mean and you try to sew it all back up, like it never happened. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, my yeah. favorite example of this and it was terrible. Was I had a my girlfriend in college? I was still. She, I don't think she'll listen to this. So it's okay. Um, Is she listening to this episode? I don't, I don't know think much. so. Um, <laughs> but she, I'm still in touch with her slightly. So, okay. um, so she, I, I, I was still. How to say this in a nice enough way? So I was still fond of my girlfriend from high school, and so mm-hmm. I would constantly. I did it all the time. Say, mistake my, say my high school girlfriend's nickname, and then uh, instead of my college girlfriend, I see, and, I see. and she would just, she would just blow up. She would just be oh. irate, and so it's a perfect example. Yeah, of she the should way be. <laughs> she should have been right. Like yeah. I did, I would go like, and I would say, I didn't mean it. Obviously, I didn't. Right. It was just a slip. It didn't. <laughs> But luckily at the time I was not psychoanalytic, so I right. just thought, oh well, it's just whatever. So you weren't lying. Were you, I was were, not you lying, didn't, yeah. it, it wasn't yeah. like no, no, it doesn't mean everything. <laughs> like I know it no, no, really. Yeah. No, 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 yeah. no, no. Um but so so that that and that's a perfect example of the way in which the signifier, just like you were saying, it articulates yeah. the split within the subject, which is that split is objet, right? And so I think yeah, yeah. I don't think it's ironic. Or I don't think it's coincidental, I guess, that Lacan invents Abjaya the same time he unleashes this aphorism on the world for the yeah. first time. So I think that yeah. they're definitely, I think that's a great point by you, that they're they're intimately linked together. Mm. And yeah. he repeats I mean, them both yeah. about the equal amount of time. <laughs> I think, I think from, I was thinking Seminar 15, which is um, the, the psychoanalytic act or l'acte psychoanalytique, um, mm-hmm. that from that seminar on, I don't think, I think for the next 10, he says it every, in Everyone. every seminar. Yeah. Wow. And then, and then, but the only a create appears in, I think, is the position of the unconscious and the subversion of the subject. So, yeah. so, yeah. I mean, the accrea are not always, you know, they're not really revelatory, but, um, uh, maybe on a minority I think report. that, well, I mean, I think that, well, just he's, he's, um, clearer in the seminars. I think so too. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think so. I don't think that's yeah. controversial. Yeah. No, not controversial. Yeah. I think pretty much everybody thinks that. Like, yeah. He, yeah. He, yeah. 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 So, um, so, okay. So, so I think that's pretty good to link that to object. Now I want to, so I want to get back. So back to the chronology. Um, uh, yeah. so, mm-hmm. so before he comes up with the aphorism, so back in the psychosis seminar, so it would have been mm. 56, 57, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. so it's seminar three. Um, he comes up with this example and he, so he, his, and later he says this, he defines the sign in this way, that okay. the sign is what represents the subject for another subject. Um, so you see there, he says, he gives the definition for a sign of what we think the definition for a signifier should be. That is, mm. it's a kind of, the sign is an attempt at communication, right? Like it, in, okay. it represents like I say, uh, professor because i want to communicate with you and and get your attention and not mm-hmm. because i want to make you think that i am in love with you or something you know like that mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. would be the the difference and mm-hmm. uh, and so he gives Lacan gives us great examples so he says there's this this 
sea captain out at sea and he looks on the mm-hmm. horizon. He see, Do you know this example? I do, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, and he sees a bunch of activity, a bunch of screaming and shouting. Yeah. And, 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 he, and Lacan's point is, if it's a sign, the sea captain will try to understand what's being said or else say something or, or say, respond to go check out the situation, try to, mm-hmm. try to come up with some response. But he goes, if it's a signifier, what the captain does is he goes down below and writes in his log, this is what I saw on the, out, yeah. you know, I saw. So, so I thought that's a perfect example of the distinction between sign and signifier. I, you know, what just hit me, and I, we, we should not pursue this point. Why do so many of Lacan's examples happen at sea? Like his great examples. Yeah, that's true. Like the the yeah. sardine can. Yeah, the sardine know, can. For in, sure. in eleven, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and Some, one of the great Lacanians of all time, Rick Boothby, is a is a is a sailor. He's on. He's at sea right now. So. He's at sea right now. Well, yeah. that like like uh, what is it? The weather in Proust. We should like the, the sea in Lacan. Yeah, yeah the sea in Lacan. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, yeah. So although we, we can say that Joan Kopchak and Slavoj Žižek are not sailors, so that mm, when, no, it's I guess be alone. Anyway, let's let's go. <laughs> we we'll leave leave that point. I'm sorry we did <laughs> yeah, that. Um, so okay, so this distinction again, sign and signifier, right? Uh, for in the way that we were talking about it, uh, in the way that it makes sense to you know, push forward with Lacan's idea. The for the when we talk about a sign, we're talking about something where signification stops. Right. It's 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 um it's almost, you know, I hadn't thought about this, but it's almost like for for a sign, it's uh it's anti suspicion. Like there's no hermeneutical yeah. thing. Yeah. Um it's it's you know, it's like it's a tree. It's it's like to, to to imagine, I'm going to get into uh, to, to another example, but it's to to think. Okay, to think like something like a the New York Yankees logo, like someone wearing a Yankees cap. Yep. It just means oh, guy's a Yankees fan. Or no, wait a minute. Wait, that is that that that. Yeah, that would work. Okay. Right. Right. That would work. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. So like yeah. that's it. So, that's right. That's I think all that's that really means. good. You, yeah. you you never say, and I I just this is just following your point. You never yeah. say why is that person telling me that that that's a tree. Like, <laughs> right, like you right, go, right, right. you point at the thing, you go tree, and the person goes, oh, person wants me to know that's a tree. But you mm. never, I think the question of a signifier is always, why are you telling me that's a tree when that's a right. tree? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like that joke, right? Yeah, I like, like the joke, yeah. right? Like, yeah, why are okay, you telling me you're going to Warsaw when you're really going to Warsaw? Going to so, Warsaw, right? yeah. <laughs> that's excellent. Okay, so, and then, okay, so the signifier then is... Uh, why? Okay, in a lot of different countries, a New York Yankees cap, people wear it, and places where th- that person doesn't watch baseball, so it right. because it signifies something else. It's not Yankees fan. It's if you're wearing that in London, it's I don't know what I, I, I don't know exactly, but like there, there, I think there's like a New York Times story about this about like the global brand. Of the, of the or like or the NY the interlocking NY symbol, it's like oh I like the logo, like it's just a sign to you, which is kind of which is interesting. But I think as an American seeing that, you you might think something else, like especially if you're you're in baseball. Now, okay, I'll give another example. Before the Red Sox won the World Series in two thousand four, to right. uh, wear a New York Yankees cap around where I grew up would be like wearing a swastika, but before Trump got elected, so it'd be bad. Right? <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> right, right. yeah. Um, 
<laughs> unbelievably, I did not plan to say that. I mean, oh, that was funny. Yeah, that's good. Oh, that was good. All right. Yeah. Okay, so, so, but that's right because they're like, it, it wasn't just oh, this guy's a Yankees fan. It's like he's this trying guy to put, is, he's putting it, he's shoving it down our throats. Yeah, exactly. He is yeah. lording eighty six years of of uh, my uh, like regional misery down my throat. Right? right. That's the that's the thing. That's 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 what makes it. Because if it was just oh. He's just a Yankees fan. Then it wouldn't matter at all, you know. Like, like this is the, the, the it, again the the signification stops. That's it. Like you go about your day, be like, oh, I'm a Red Sox fan. That guy was a Yankees fan. That's all that he was telling me. Right. But right. This, that's not true. You're being told something else. So what the signifier does is it begins this chain of relation. Right. Uh, and and that is where. Um, and that is where uh, Lacan comes in and where he tries to, like, to go back to our beginning, where he tries to complicate uh, Sashur's, uh formula. And I, I think there's a, there's another term here that um, is interesting. Like, Lacan, I believe this is a seminar 20. He talks about the um, the referent, and he, recall, he calls it indispensable. Mm-hmm. But the reason why he calls it indispensable, I, th- I think I'm right about this, is because of its failure to ensure... Uh, like precise signification. Right. Absolutely. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right. Like, yeah. like I think we, we think that I gave example of pointing earlier. Like we, yeah. we think that pointing is a way of turning a signifier into a sign that is yeah. making sure that, Oh, this is what I really mean. But even mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. is like, I think your point is that even that is still subject to, even that still point, even the pointing gesture itself is still a signifier. Like even that yeah, is still yeah. subject to the doubt, which is what you're mm-hmm. talking about. Like that, which comes from the relationality, right? Like the relationality mm-hmm. of the subject to the other, which mm-hmm. inserts this suspicion, what, what, what you called suspicion into the whole yeah. equation of signification, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you never know why the person is saying what they're saying. So you're immediately suspicious of, I think you're suspicious of almost everything other people tell you. Yeah. Right. right? Like yeah. even from the opening high, I mean, like I think this is an interesting signifier itself. Hi, how are you? Right. Like <laughs> yeah, okay. clearly yeah, yeah, right. it does not, like if it was just a sign, it would mean mm-hmm. this person wants to know how I am. But right. all of, and this is, I think comes back to your point that we are psychoanalytic, even though we don't think that we yeah. are because yeah. no one in the entire world at least in the societies that use this as a common thing. It's not everywhere. It's not ubiquitous. Right. Like in France, like Sava would be the equivalent. And I, I never, I was just in France for a couple of weeks. No one, not a single person greeted me with that. But in yeah. the, okay. in the U S you walk into a store and hi, how are you is pretty, you're pretty likely going to get that at least once or twice. Right. Okay. Yeah, so and do not answer the question. Just say good you. And then the person doesn't even acknowledge it. Right. 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 In fact, yeah. you don't even have to, like it is, a, it is an accepted thing to say, "Oh, how are you?" Like, yeah. Like in other words, you don't even like the answer can just be the question back. You don't have to yeah, even say right. good. <laughs> like I've I've seen yeah, I've yeah. I've experienced this numerous times where the person never answers the question but just says like I I go out on a little walk in the morning and often, hey how are you and they'll say oh how are you and then it's, it's clearly <laughs> like it's clearly not a sign. It's clearly yeah. functioning as a signifier, and right. but I think from the beginning we we're suspicious. Like what what I mean, maybe we're not that suspicious of that, but we're suspicious enough to know that they're not really 
asking really us how we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. What they're saying is basically, look, I acknowledge you as another subject in the world, and I do, all I want to have to do with you is this little exchange, and then continue walking on past. Right. Like that's basically right. what that. I think that's basically what most of us are signifying when we say something. Well, like you know, there's another one too, which is like, oh, we should get together. Right. Isn't that right, one? right. And right. then if you really mean it, you have to say, no, no, but I mean, really, we should make a plan. So right. like you, <laughs> like you have to, like right. you have to double down on that for, for anyone to understand like, oh, this person doesn't want to see me later. No, that's a that's, perfect example yeah. of a signifier. Yeah. That's clearly a signifier and not a sign. Yeah. Right. Like if it yeah. was a sign, it would just be, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you're, yeah. Okay. Well, let me take out my, my, my yeah, book. Yeah, and then yeah, it's like, uh, no, no that's not what I later. meant. Really. That's not what I meant. Sorry. You, you have, yeah, right, right. Right. <laughs> right. right. That's pretty great. That's pretty great. All right, that so happens hit, to so me hit, all the time. Okay. All the time. Oh, all the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Boo, Usually no. I'm the one saying, okay, when is, when is it you want to get together? Or they're, you take, you, they're take, like, you take it as a sign. That's yeah. It. I take yeah. it as a sign. They're like, didn't so you hit me with this, th- hit me with the stuff that I'm not prepared for. Okay. So yeah, I just have a couple of them. So, okay. So, uh, uh, my first one is the coffee, the coffee cup. Okay. 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 So, right. so I think to me, this is one of the great signifiers of our contemporary world, right? Like, so, because I, like you teach at a university, I teach at a university. So Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. students come in, how, what high a percentage would you say? I'd say in most classes, 50% of the students have a coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then walking down the street, like, in Burlington, Vermont, we have this pedestrian church street where I walk down. I see, yeah. and again, about half the people walking down the street have a like a cough, Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks, whatever that doesn't have a mm-hmm. maybe it doesn't even have a name on it. Um, so, how do you think that's functioning as signifier? Well, because clearly, if it was just a yeah. sign, it would mean people want to be drinking coffee. They just want to drink coffee. Yeah, no, right. it's right. a uh, well. Okay, so this. This gets down a little bit. To, we talked. We did talk about this a little bit pre-show. That like there is um, one of the unfortunate things that Marx, Karl Marx, not around for was brands because right, I think that right. my goodness, how how different we should do a whole show on this. But like like, okay, so um, I don't I don't know what the so so I don't know what the split is. But like you, one is saying something different if one has a nondescript cup which is maybe from a local place right okay right which meant that they that they bought local because that's both a uh, a signifier for the right and for the left which right. is uh, sort of uh, which is interesting um the starbucks cup means something uh and it means something different uh 10 months of the year than it does around uh the holiday season because they give the, the proceeds to is that why no, it's because because uh, it's because it's holiday. It's it's not Christmas, and so the religious right in America gets. Oh, all they don't drink eat. Starbucks at Christmas time. They don't do no, and and then they it's they forget every eleven months <laughs> they have amnesia about who they're supposed to be protesting because <laughs> okay. they just love capital, so it right, doesn't matter right, really. Right, right. Um, and so okay, and then the, but there is a difference. This is uh, up here in the Northeast, at least uh, Northeast of the United States. 
between Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks, right? Does so Dunkin' s- signify I'm a working class subject? Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Or, it's, or it is supposed to and maybe did, and I just, I don't, like, it doesn't matter. I guess this is the point of, of, of signification, or, or the signifier, I should say, is it really, it doesn't matter how much that has to do with, like, literally being, like, representative of actual reality. Right. Like, right. like, like Dun- Dunkin' Donuts, like this is a, it's, it's a very, very big chain. It's not just in friggin' Quincy, Massachusetts anymore. Right. Like it's, it's, uh, so it, it like the, the idea, but it does still have that thing attached to it, at least up here that it is yeah. working class. No, I like that and, difference. Yeah. And yeah. And Starbucks has this more like elitist trust fund thing to it. Uh, but why would anyone least. want that as your signifier? Nobody would, but that's if you're getting Dunkin' Donuts. That's what you think of the person with the Starbucks cup. So if you're, that's what if you're I'm getting saying. the Starbucks cup, you're not. That's not the signification attached to it for you. For you, the no. signification is I'm better concerned coffee, about. Oh, it's, I'm concerned or, about better or coffee. ethicality. Yeah, but again, it wouldn't really. It isn't really like again because right, right. Like as as Star. I mean, we talked about this on a, on, a, on another podcast. Like Starbucks admitted, I don't know how long ago this was that like some of their beans come from uh, places that a, like actually employ slavery, and they just said they they would look into it. <laughs> and I don't know, and I don't know what they did, but it was so funny the 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 way the difference between that incident and then when that store in Philadelphia when they had a manager who called the cops on two customers right. who were just customers while being black while being in America black, right. and then they shut down the store they have racial care. sensitivity you yeah. know what I mean and so that but when like you get beans from slavery did you know that it's like yeah we'll look into it that sounds great yeah. have, well that didn't hurt. Try, the one had an change would change the signifier of the cup in the hand right yes but yes, the other that, one right. wouldn't I think that's really right. interesting way to think of that okay yeah. so here's my other okay. my, my the the the, the tough part of the question is, what about just the cup of coffee itself, regardless cup of, of coffee? Yeah. Regardless of the brand attached to the it. The branding. Okay. Uh, just the cup of coffee itself. Yeah. I think, uh, okay. So you're asking someone who's not a coffee drinker. I know I'm not uh, either. So. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And okay. So, so, um, but that's, it's better. I mean, it's better because we can see, we can judge <laughs> harshly. This thing now. It's like, the fire with no, our own emotional investment is not in it. Uh, so. I guess, but you know, there's always the danger of the thing that you think that you're outside of that you're so of like because for me, I was obviously, joking, yeah, no, I understand. No, yeah. yeah. So the thing, well, the thing for me is like I like I mean, oh, I'll tell you, like I need the co- I need the coffee drinkers because of that like if everyone is drinking tea, then it's like not interesting that I drink tea, right? right you know, right, like right, in America, right, right? So like it's, it's certainly uninteresting in in England if you're you, you know I've tea. never had a cup of coffee in my entire life, your entire life. Huh? I've never sipped it. No. Never. It doesn't, so, it doesn't smell very good. Sometimes I know, I know. I, I just never, me. because here's the thing. When I grew up, it was, yeah. I, my parents drank all the time. They drank it all. Mm-hmm. And it was before this explosion of like, I don't know what you call it, like good coffee. So mm-hmm. they just drank like. Gourmet, I don't know, artists. Yeah, whatever. But they, they drank tea. like yeah. Maxwell House and Folgers and all this crap. And, oh, and yeah. so. The flavor crystals. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I never had, it never seemed like a. I never got involved in that ground level. It had a certain signification for me. It just signified mm-hmm. old people and uncoolness. Yeah. And yeah. so I never, it never seemed cool to me. So anyway, but I, okay. I think that so the, that's, oh. so I think now it signifies, of course, being cool for one thing, but 
Also, I want to actually answer your question before you get to it because okay, I, okay. I didn't you answer, answer first. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, no, yes. no, 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 yeah, because I don't want you to because <laughs> I'm going to so, spoil your thing because you're going to spoil it. What I was just going to say is that like I think that the just the cup of coffee yeah. is the exact same as hi, how are you? It is, which is like I'm just acknowledging you. Like I think wow. that it is like I, I that that's that's what I think it is. It's I like, like that. It, yeah, that's that's yeah. That, that's what I think it is. Okay. So. I think that's really good. Probably more right than what I'm gonna. I was gonna say, but here's what I was gonna say: was <laughs> yeah. that I think it signifies I'm the kind of person. Two things: I'm mm-hmm. so busy that uh, I can't sit great. down and drink the coffee. I have to have it to go, so I have this to go cup that I'm taking with me. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. And the second thing I think is I'm also I'm so. I'm working so hard that I don't have time to sleep enough hours in the night. Yeah. So yep. I need the caffeine yep. of the coffee to keep me going during the day. And that's yep. a, so I think both things are about how hard I'm working, how industrious I am, that that's yeah. what the coffee signifies. So I want to validate your like one of those uh, the the time aspect, yeah. the yeah. I don't have time thing. I do think that there is a um, I think Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld, this is, this is I think in a comedians in cars getting coffee. Uh, when he talked to his friend Larry David, that they talked a little bit about the difference between um, uh, coffee and cigarettes and tea and cigars, is that you if you're you're sipping tea, you you drink coffee, you sip tea, yep. and you like you would ju- you just have to you burn through cigarettes or like but you you sit and you smoke. There are cigar lounges, right? There's not cigarette right, lounges. Right. There's no cigarette lounges. Um, Someone who's drinking tea or smoking a cigar has all the time in the world. Someone who's got a cup of coffee, they have minus time, or at least that's what they're trying to tell you. Someone who's smoking a cigarette, right? They they got they, they have no time, right? And 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 that's sort of there's like a at least this is what uh, Jerry and, and Larry were talking about. There's like a there's a ner- there's a nervousness, there's an anxiety to the to the to the cigarette, but there is a contemplative thing to the cigar. And so, anyway, that's like a. No, I think that's great. I mean, that just, again, deals with them as signifiers, right? Like, that's what I think that's important. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't deal with them as signs. Like, this, Mm -hmm. the cigarette as a sign would be, oh, this person likes smoking cigarettes. That's it. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Right. Right. Which is, or is addicted to nicotine or something ridiculous. Like, but I think it is like the reason people get started on what seem what you could then call addictions is because of the signification that those mm. things have i think that's see to me that's the great that's one of the great points of psychoanalysis is like okay right maybe the addiction has a certain power over you after it forms but mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't that still leaves the question of of why you ever started to do the thing in the first place. Yeah. Right. Like, like yeah. you can't become addicted to cigarettes before, if you never try them. Right. Like, like why did you try them? Like that, there mm-hmm. has to be something that forms the, that, that makes the initial effort to and try them. Where, and that's where, the, the, that's where the signifier. That's what I would say. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, this is also, I mean, this also gets into more Lacanian territory, right? He makes that, uh, the comparison between smoke and smoker. Right. Right, right, right. Like, yeah, well, like which is which is definitely tied to the idea of the signifier, right? Yeah, right. Like yeah. the smoke is the smoke a sign of the smoker, mm-hmm. or is it a signifier? 
Yeah. Isn't and that the example? Am I? That is the example. Yeah. yeah. And, but it, it, what, and this is a different rule for language because it's not like smoke and fire. Right. Right. Because there's no, because when there's smoke and there is fire, there is no smoker. Right. Right. That doesn't, right. that doesn't make any sense. But with smoke, with, with, with cigarette, right. With smoke and, and smoker that, that changes the, the, the relationship between between uh, uh, sign and, and signifier, right, right, yeah. Okay, let's uh, a couple of more examples. I have a couple more. You. Okay, okay, <laughs> all right. So, what so, you got? all right. I love you. Ah, I love you too, Todd. What's your next <laughs> example? <laughs> no, I know, I know you did. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. So that's a pretty good one. Okay. Because uh, I think the, we really, 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 really like to think of this as a sign. Yeah, yeah, but it's, uh, <laughs> but do you think, okay, um, isn't quite often that phrase is get off the phone, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. But yeah. I mean it in the profession yeah. of the, I mean, I mean it in probably the first profession of it, like not, okay. not in the whatever. I see. Yeah. Right, 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 right. So, I mean, like that gets into even more, like, psychoanalytic territory right like like we like yeah you would i think that there is an investment in that being a sign not in that there is no suspicion that no one's saying this because they don't right right you're only saying this because you do and it's actually it's all of me right right that, right that yeah yeah but i think it's mm. interesting like what is the response it's trying to provoke in the other Right, like mm-hmm. it, it wants to provoke. Isn't it the one? Like, isn't it the one signifier that wants to provoke the same response yeah. back? Like, it yeah. res- wants it, to respond. The, the pr- response, the only gratifying response is "I love you too." Right? Too. Like that's yeah. 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 You. Yeah. The. Uh, well, to go back to Seinfeld, the the I love you return is the that's like the right, Seinfeld right. episode. But, but like I think how the question would be, are you in the I love you return? Right, so I think that's so a good you, question. Yeah, yeah because you, also, you are saying it to get it back, which is well, like okay, great, we're on the same terms. You're not saying it because you you like feel that like and and or urge to say it because of this overwhelming emotion. You're saying this because you actually want, in a way, you want to you want to restore parity. In the in the relationship, you want to make sure that you're well, on the same terms. That's what I wonder. That's what I wonder yeah. if it's not yeah. a like all of a sudden I'm like I feel uh, uh, whatever like lost relative to you. Mm-hmm. Like I feel overwhelmed relative to you. I'm out mm-hmm. of control because I'm in love with you, and so mm-hmm. I say I love you in an attempt to get you to put that signifier out there so that Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it will stabilize my relationship to you. So I feel like it's, it's, this is why, I mean, I, 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 this is why I think it's maybe the, one of the more interesting ones because isn't it a way to try to avoid the really horrible aspect of love? That is that it overwhelms me. And then I, because precisely because I can't like the, the abyss of the other never is more mm-hmm. apparent than when I'm in love with the other, right? Like right. that I, like I look at the sign, I look at the signs and I, mm. they all seem like signifiers to me. They all seem in doubt. Like, 
okay, yeah. yes, I mean, this is my heterosexual example, but, oh, she she smiles when I say this, she laughs at my jokes, and she, you know, whatever, <laughs> but, but you know, so of a lot of people, I don't know, is it, you yeah. know, are these really, they're not signs, they're just signifiers, and so they mm-hmm. could, you know, mm-hmm. so, I, so I feel like by saying I love you, it, it it's definitely, like, you can't say, I know someone whose parents, this is terrible, whose parents say, okay, this person says I love you to their parents. And, then, and their the parents. parents. The parents, yeah. it's sad. Um, but maybe oh. they really, they do love this person, but that's they say, okay. Um, okay. But, but think <laughs> there's about... A way that you can say, you can, there's a way you can say that. It's like, okay. <laughs> like, that's No, that's always what they do. Uh, yeah. but, but, but if the lover did that when you first said yeah. I love you... Th- disaster right you might kill yourself yeah. so yeah. i feel like that you're really you're trying to to take that unknown signifying quality of the other and bring it into and like bring it under your stabilize it bring it under control and something it's way. pretty fascinating todd as an example because it's you what you're trying to do you're attempting to arrest the sliding of your own signification right and that person's because the, 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 and, and, and the other, because it's, and I mean, that's sort of a classic example of not understanding what object you are for the other. Right. Right. right? Exactly. It's like you, exactly. You, you need the, I love you return because, because you don't know if you're on equal footing. You don't know if you're invested in the same way. You don't know if this person, uh, like, like sees you. It just as a friend. Yeah, yeah. 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 Are you in yeah, the or, quote unquote friend zone? <laughs> Well, you know what? That's oh, what a gross term. Do you know what that I was did. invented, or, or at least the earliest example that is um, is friends. Is oh, really? Ross. Yeah, Ross mm. explaining I think to Joey that he doesn't want to be in the friend zone, and it's like one of our next episodes is going to be about um, incels. Incel and my they're always god, in the friend it, zone, aren't they? My god, is Ross uh, Geller an example of an incel wow. uh, for most of that show? Like interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, Good. Um, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Trouble, trouble. But, yeah. because you know. What but it, I, you I know think you're right. Like I think yeah, it's a. Yeah. I always hate the term when I hear people no, say no, no, it. No, but I it's a pretty that. common term. Big time. Yeah. And well, the, there's the. And again, I don't want to spoil the stuff we're gonna get into later. But like, there's there's the thing. I, I I think actually this gets well. It makes sense to talk about this now because it gets into the horror of of the signifier and 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 signification because what people would really like is for everything to be transactional so that right. the, the more, so like you did nice things for someone and, and it's like a video game, which is why like video game relationships are usually terrible where <laughs> you have to do enough nice things in a context of a video game. And if you do, if you hit like a marker, then they'll like have sex with you in the game. If the game allows for that. And that is how I think people really would like, human relationships to be right. and so that be, and it's to avoid the, the horror of, uh, of of the signifier and it, and it is to to get out of this entirely which is like if everyone was just a machine that if you just did enough nice things then then i would be sure of what object i am for you it's right it's I get, I, it's, it's, this whole thing is to get out of the other yes yeah, yeah that's really good i love the way you use the term transactional because i would say capital one of the main ways ah, it's attractive yeah. is that it gives us these transactional relationships instead of mm-hmm. signifying relationships, right? Yeah, like I think yeah, yeah. it's interesting. I mentioned this book off off the air to you called Symbolic mm. Economies by Jean-Joseph mm. Gu. And, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, 
and he makes he tries to do a homology between the structure of capital and the structure of signification. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's wrong because, for, I mean, I think there are some things that are right about it, but I think what's mm-hmm. wrong about it is signification never has, at least understood, not in Saussure's way, but in the psychoanalytic way, I think signification never has that transactional relation because there always is lurking beneath the signifier the desire of the other. I mean, that's, again, the mm-hmm. point of the aphorism today is that you mm-hmm. can't escape mm-hmm. that desire of the other that's lurking within within the signifier and and whereas the commodity yeah what's great about it is you know exactly what the value it has and uh-huh. why yeah. the person is giving it to you right because yeah. they it, want to yeah. accumulate like like that's the great thing about capitalism it lets you know that look this person doesn't want anything else from me except my money yeah and so right, you right. know that and so that, that that's why i think that's why it feels so much easier to go into a shop and relate to people mm. than it does to relate to people when you're walking in the park, right? Like yeah. in the shop, it's easy. You can have all these great conversations and whatever because the shopkeeper is just, oh, you know, everything they say, the desire behind it is, I want you to buy my crap that I'm selling, yeah. right? Whereas you're walking in the park, you, you're stuck. Like you don't know why is this person really love me or does this person just want to be <laughs> my friend or do they just want yeah. me to keep walking? Are they going to rob me later? Right. What's happening? Right. Right. So I think that's a really, I love the way you use that term transactional as a replacement for a signifying relation. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, that is the, um, uh, I mean, you, I mean, you, you get into this and well, I think a little bit, this is, you get into this capitalism and desire, your book where you're looking at like, what is the, what is the, like, uh, you know, the libidinal or the psychical, like, attachment to capitalism that people have? This is a pretty good example, is it that, is. like, yeah. it, av- it avoids the, the, the horror of the other. It av- Like, you just, you know where you are when you're in a shop because the things tell you what they cost. And if you have money, you can get it. If you don't, you don't. It's not complicated. And you know what? Especially when it's, like, a big, big chain. Right. You know, like there's such a big difference between it's so much more comfortable going, going into a chain than going into a little local store. And you're talking to the owner because you're like, this person just wants me to buy things when it's the exact same thing in the Apple store. But because it's the like, oh, well, the company wants me to buy it. So like the people working there, I can relate to them as authentic subjects. So it's fine, you know, but that's, you know, that's that's a, a, a illusory. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. 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 yeah no, a, it's pretty, it's a pretty great point. Okay. I got a couple more for you. All right. Okay. What do you got? <laughs> I got, okay. Uh, this is one that's going to cut a little too close to my oh, heart. So, okay. okay. So publishing yeah. a book, the book as a signifier. Uh, okay. All right. Well, interesting. So, um, okay. I don't, uh, yeah, I'm not trying to be a historicist about this, but that feels very dependent on context, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. I I, yeah, I mean okay. today. I mean today okay. in our in the academic world. I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me be. Yeah, um, I should be clear. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, I mean, that's one of those interesting things where, to me, I never think when I'm like, if I get an email from like Verso, they're having a sale, right? Yeah. Or um. Uh, or if I get contact or like whatever, NYU press, any place that I've like gotten a book from because I've lied and said I might teach it right. and I've gotten it for less money. Cause that's like one of the few perks of being graduate student. It is one of the only yeah, ones. Yeah. One of the only ones. Um, 
Anyway, so also you uh, get to second. have sex with a lot of professors, isn't that one of the other perks? Or no? <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry, sorry. I should have revealed that. I'm sorry, God. Oh my God. Oh, that's yeah. That's that's a little. Maybe that's a very context specific. Todd, sorry. <laughs> um, the so I never think when I it's it's funny. I never think when I get these uh, these emails. I never think this person published this because they needed to make tenure. Right, but almost I would almost all of the books are published kind of for that being the direct reason and it's interesting that so maybe this is just me like uh like it'd be be pretty easy to to do that to go into like an email from you know and again and Columbia or NYU Press or whatever uh and and just to to be like oh these just people are just trying to they're trying to save their jobs there are no real ideas in here there'd be a very cynical crappy attitude although in some cases probably true. I mean, cause right, you right. have to, that's just what you have to do. So, um, I think that for me, well, I mean, I, as a, as a person with no books published, it would be like a really big deal. No, it's a big me. deal. I agree. It's a big a, deal. Huge, huge, but isn't deal. it, here's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> was okay, yeah. that, I thought you were going to say like, isn't it, isn't it, I think you're right. Like, I think a lot of times it is, would you accept me into the, into the ranks oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of a real professor, right? Like that's, and that's, that's kind of what you're saying about, I want to get tenure with this book. Right? Yeah. I mean, you know what I think? So I think that's true. I think it's totally true. I, I think for, because I, because I haven't published a book because I like, I don't think about it in that way. Or, um, but I think, you know, that's the, the shame of the MLA badge being graduate student uh, th- that, that I think more, more about, you know, that like, uh, it doesn't, that doesn't signal, like you, you feel like, oh yeah, I'm just a graduate student. I'm just doing this thing yeah. at this school. I'm, I'm not like you're a professor, like, like they, like you're just kind of feel. So least, book doesn't you know, have that gro- same grovelly. No, not to me, but maybe when I like, I'm closer to, yeah. to publishing, no, I, I, just, I will, I, I will I, feel you, that way. No, I, I think I was speaking about my own shame about publishing books. So <laughs> 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 I gave, I gave up that example. Okay. So I just have a couple yeah. more quickly. Okay. Um, yeah. All right, so the SUV as a signifier. Yeah, I so I know your answer to this. Yeah. So I'm going to give your answer. Okay. Youth cuz I remember you, I remember you saying this and I think about this all the time. The SUV signifies my life is so much more valuable than yours. Ah. I do think that. Yes. You do think that. Yes. Did you forget you thought that? I forgot I thought that because I have another answer, but I like that. You have another <laughs> God, answer. I'm glad I said that. Well, um, you've, yeah, you, you, you've progressed or regressed, so we'll no, see. No, no, no. <laughs> I think I've regressed. Um, but I, I think that's true. I think it definitely signifies that. Um, but I thought, I think it signifies I'm a person that loves to go driving off road and, and through the wilderness. Uh, and I think the know, Jeep. It, that, that's what that's what everyone who owns a Jeep wants you to think. I guess so. It's more specific yeah. to the Jeep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like okay. they take the doors off. Right. Get the right, doors right, off. Right, it's the summer. Right, right. My 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 mom wants to buy a green car, and the only green car she could find was a was like an actual Jeep. And I, <laughs> she's eighty. She's about to turn eighty. And I yeah. I so am trying to convince her to buy a Jeep. <laughs> I just think it'd be great to see the eight-year-old. You know, woman. she's probably being supported by her friends because when she s- says green, they think she means like eco-friendly, but she means like it's a green. Like, <laughs> no, she just wants green. the color, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she yeah. just wants the color. Yeah. So that's that's pretty funny. All right, here we go. Chill, yeah. chill. I hear my chill? kids say this all the time. It's chill. Oh, that's pretty chill, man. 
Okay. Or is that the only way that they use it? I feel I feel very old right now. Suddenly, do, I, I, they, that's all they, I've heard. Like like I do something. So they never tell you to chill. Like no, you need. Well, to no, that I think that's an older way of saying it. Oh, okay. Like chill out, man. No, they yeah. don't say that. They think it's 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 it has a positive signification, and they say chill. But by this, I want you to expand it to all these kind of colloquialisms that arise. Weird flex, but okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So flex. That's an interesting one. Yeah. So a friend of mine um, that I just saw sent me a vacation photo, mm-hmm. not of himself, but of his girlfriend. And, oh. my, and, 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 and the boys said, he's flexing on you. Yeah. And I, I yeah. like, what? <laughs> I know that was so weird. Um, but that's a, so I think they're uh, right. <laughs> no, that's probably good. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting, like all those terms, like cool would be the original, the archetype of this, right? Like the word cool. Um, yeah, for, for, for chill, yeah. Yeah, for all these things. But what do you think, in other words, why do these kind of signifiers develop? And then mm-hmm. what do they, why, why do they have this time of, of great, you know, they're, 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 they're everywhere, they're ubiquitous. And then they just kind of die out. And I think that, that to me, I find very interesting. Well, I think that, um, so for these, for these kinds of things, I guess my answer for this would be that, um, knowing how to use, like, and a, like, a, so like weird flex, but okay, this is like, this comes from like, like Twitch. This is like gamer, yep. like talk. And, 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 and that's where that came from. So but you're it saying also, by, by saying flex, you're saying I'm a gamer. You, you, yeah, what I was going to say exactly is that like, it's, you are showing, remember we talked about this, it's recognition, it's not communication. Yes, yes. yes. You're, you're showing that I'm a part of a local community and this is it. It's just, I mean, I think it runs through all of the examples, right? Like the coffee cup, I don't have any time. I work very hard. Although, which is like so funny because like the person with the, coffee cup that comes into my class is always five minutes late, <laughs> you know? So it's like, really? Because they stopped off to get coffee. I mean, well, that's exactly that right. It's, that's exactly right. It's like, so, so, I mean, you can be on time, you know, like, um, right, so right, you took right. that time to not be on whatever. So, um, right. you clearly thought you, you, it, that, I mean, that's the whole lie of it. You clearly have more time than what you, what you right. want people to believe. But, but, but um, all these words are attempts to carve out membership within a smaller other than yes. the larger societal big other. Yes, I think that's true. So yeah. so that's an interesting I mean, maybe we'll stop here, but I, I do think that's an interesting idea that that it's not enough to be part of the societal, the in-group of the to belong. Let's let's just take the word belonging. Like it's not enough to belong to the society, right? You have to mm-hmm. belong. So part of the signifier is saying, I belong to this small of a group. And I, I think, isn't the, isn't yeah. the attempt, like, aren't we searching for the signifier to get us to the small, most exclusive possible group we can, can belong to? And maybe that, that's what I was trying to get at with the publishing yeah, book yeah. as a signifier, right? Like I'm yeah. like, if mm-hmm. I publish enough, then I'm part of this really exclusive, really or small. If I, you know, I, or if I publish, I mean like, you know, certain or just a good presses signify right, differently, right? right? Absolutely, you know? absolutely, yeah. right? Like I've yeah. sent, I've stopped doing it because I'm not that much of a masochist, but I've sent ten books to Verso and they've rejected each one. So, so yeah. I haven't. Yeah. I had an idea clearly that like that 
would signify I that means part, something. Yeah, yeah, it would to me. It yeah. would. I mean, I, I think a lot of people think who cares about Verso, but for me, yeah, like sure. as I just because I'm a leftist and I grew up reading Verso books, and I, it meant a lot mm-hmm. to me. And so each yeah, rejection right, was right. especially painful. But I think, um, but I think that's I think that's pretty interesting that the like chill or cool or flex like these terms. Mm-hmm. Cool, not really cool. Everybody now yeah. uses, but um, that they well, start using icebox. It's <laughs> <laughs> absolutely icebox. Todd. That's icebox. Anyway. That they <laughs> that they 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 carve out such a, a small the exclusivity of the niche that they carve out mm-hmm. is is the index of how valuable they are as signifiers, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's I think that's totally true. I mean, this is you know there. I mean, there's so many uh, great examples of this. Like, um, I'm oh my god, I'm forgetting the name of this. Uh, our um, our friend uh, our friend Jason Clements will uh, will know this if he's listening, and maybe he'll send me a message. I, my god, I'm forgetting the name of this. There's a web comic that I read uh, when uh, like y- years ago, and it had this uh, this theory of, of um, it was like a thermodynamics of how popular an indie band could be. Okay, and it po- and it posited that because I mean this is what you're saying the 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 le- as a band becomes more popular, it becomes less cool. Right. So if you if you understand that that that's the thermodynamics of it, then the mo- the coolest indie band would be one that does not exist. <laughs> <laughs> right right that's and, really good and i th- yeah and i think that's i mean i think that's a pretty good it's a pretty good example of this so like you know you like you um you know like i like i think i probably said this on this on this podcast before that like i my my favorite band my favorite band is the beatles i love the beatles man and it, there's just not that is like saying that your favorite food is pizza. Right. There's nothing interesting right. about saying right. that. Like it's not, it's, there's not a more available or accessible band to be into than the Beatles or a food than pizza. But like, so that, so I would want to not, I would want, uh, you know, in this, you know, scenario that we're sort of laying out, I would want that not to define, I would want you to, to know either. I know so much about the Beatles that, right. that, Which is that true. makes right. Well, sure. Thank you. Uh, that, that, that it makes that I'm not just a com- I'm not just a common uh, fan of their of of Let It Be uh, uh, or you know or Hey right, Jude right, for like, example right. the deep cuts right like right. Um, you know right. it, it's it's because it's always this thing too where um, we're having this conversation about Dickens but it, there's always this thing about well the people who really know the very popular thing whatever it is they know the the cool thing to be into so right. I think. So the white album, I think, was always the like was like that. Oh, if you really really liked it. so, Rolling Stone would say the best album is like Sgt. Pepper's. I think for a little while, some the retort was like Revolver, and then for a little bit, I think it was like the white album. The white albums had a big re-release now, so I don't know where that stands. But yeah. you know, with uh, with Dickens, it's like the the. I mean, Freud thought the best Dickens book was uh, was David Copperfield, and I think most that, that's like the literary establishment uh, in like, or I should say, the popular literary establishment thinks the same thing. But if you are into Dickens a little bit, it's maybe Bleak House, and then if you're really really into Dickens, really, it's, it's our mutual, uh, our mutual friend. friend. Right. Yeah, right. And it's it's the same thing with film noir. Like if you don't if you don't only know about it a little bit, you probably would say The Big Sleep is the best film noir. But if you're a little you bit know, more double indemnity, and then a, a whole lot out of the past. Right. Out of the past. And then right. if you really, really, really want cred, if you really want cred, you'd probably say detour, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you know? 
because it's yeah. an authentic film noir because it's made for it is, so yeah. little money. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, so, yeah. and and it, it all all of this um, is an attempt at like again, like you're trying to carve down, right, this smaller and smaller uh, group that you belong to, and I think the kind of the 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 term that has been in a lot of these examples that, that and then we talked about this a little bit when we we're talking about like the transactional nature of some of these things is really that like, we are all like, like this all benefits capital, doesn't it? Like, right. Like, like these small, like, you yeah, like yeah, these, yeah. these small identifications that you like, like you want to be uh, signified by these very, very small things. Like it, like you perform being disconnected from this larger whole that d- dominates and structures so much of how you live. But if you have, mm-hmm. I mean, this is like, the, this is the whole libertarian thing, uh, you know, uh, is, is, and, and, and this it's, it's resonant particularly in America. Cause Americans always like, you always want to be like, Americans have like a default setting of wanting to be like, kind of like rebellious and like right. wanting to be seen as, uh, uh, as, as the, you know, the rebel with that, without a cause the, like the, you want to be as chill as possible. Right. Like, and <laughs> what that does is it excises you from the, the social, like it, it tries to put you into an even like smaller and smaller social. And then, you know, in the end, you know, this just makes it very hard to imagine meaningful collectivity. I mean, start, this is what starts on about, right? And critique. Of yeah. Yeah. I know. I think it's a really good point about the way in which, but, but I, and I, I do think you're right about the way that gets intermixed, intermixed with the logic of capital and the transaction, but there is mm. something about signification itself mm. that, and if Lacan's aphorism is true, that mm. is, resistant to any kind of larger collectivity, right? Like that's the whole, like if, if, because I think what you're getting at is the perfect, and this is what your example of the indie band suggests Mm -hmm. that the perfect signifier would not exist, right? Like like you're getting down to this level of the perfect signifier would be the one. And I think that that would be the point at which the signifier actually equaled the objet. Like, I think that's why it couldn't exist. So I think that's, that seems like to me a really, that's the logic of that aphorism, the mm. subject, the signifier, I always start with the subject, the signifier <laughs> represents the subject for another or to another signifier. And I think that, so that idea is that you're, the more, the more people, the more that that signifier represents you to, the more that it, mm-hmm. the more that it connects you to, the less valuable it is as a signifier. And the more, the most valuable signifier would be the one that actually cuts the, cuts the thinnest. And I think there's a, I think you're right to say maybe there's a relationship between that and the logic of the commodity and, and mm. accumulation. So anyway, but that'll be for our episode on psychoanalysis and capitalism, I guess. Yeah. 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 Anyway, Absolutely. so a lot of future episodes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, enough out of, of this that. One. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. All right, that sounds like enough. Over and out, right? Over and out, Todd.